Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. verse of scripture verse number 14 we'll have a lot of scripture a lot of scripture those who take care of media know i sent them a lot of scripture and that's just about half of my lesson <clears throat> meaning that wasn't the scripture for all of it guys all right and so we're going to look at the word of the lord today amen i covet your prayers this month here the second half of the month i got a few anniversary services to preach elsewhere got an anniversary revival to preach and it's been a while since I've preached six times in five days. But I know the Lord will help me. I just pray that you would ask the Lord to help me to find the direction for these churches and these assemblies. All right. And uh, maybe be able to be of some help. And uh, so I know that I'm getting older whenever I'm getting called to preach anniversary services. It's a telltale sign. <clears throat> so... I'm embracing it. I'm supposed to do two this month, one next month, so it's a telltale sign. Hair's receding, being pre-raptured, and all these things. Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number 14, a very, um, I might say, popular uh, setting of Scripture or verse of Scripture. Uh, when you're talking about what we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks, our Subject matter, our topic is Christian living. Christian living. We've been on a long journey from January. All right, we've been on a very long journey from January. Coming from not knowing God through this whole process of coming to know Him and maturity and other gifts of the Spirit, fruits of the Spirit, all this thing. And so uh, God had come into this moment about Christian living. Because again, you know, the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, the, the Pentecost that came in Acts chapter number 2. Wow! You know, you want to know about how to be saved in the birth of the church. You know, look at Acts 2 and everything that happens. But then all the other epistles tell us how to live our lives after we've received the Holy Ghost. All the other epistles, Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians, and Thessalonians and Peter and Philemon, all these things tell us how to live our lives. And so uh, when you look at it that way, we're the birth of the church in Acts and yet all these other chapters, how to live our lives. Man, there must be a lot to this after birth in there. A lot to this after birth. And so uh, that's, our, that's our focus, Christian living. Hebrews 12 and verse number 14, the Bible says, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Glory one more time. It's short. Follow peace with all men. And holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Our subject matter for the next few weeks is Christian living. Christian living. Amen. Can we go to the Lord in prayer? We need the Lord's help this morning. Open our minds and our understanding, O oh God. Enlighten our hearts. Let there be a spirit of revelation, Jesus, upon our lives. I pray, O oh God, that you're able to help us this morning. God, as we turn our attention again, Lord Jesus, to your word. God, let it become the living word that it is and arise off the pages and walk into our lives. I pray, O oh God, to help us, Lord, to live, to help us, Lord Jesus, to continue to grow, Lord, into the stature, into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Christian living. Christian living. We're going to be talking a lot about holiness. I know the moment that the word is spoken, a lot of different things come to mind. Uh, but uh, their holiness is a whole lot uh, more broad, wide, and deep than just uh, standards of holiness or modesty and distinction of sexes. All right. As a matter of fact, uh, holiness is not some new idea that was just approached in the New Testament scripture. We find holiness in the Old Testament. For that matter, uh, the book of Genesis, we find holiness. 
Amen. As a matter of fact, there's one, one reason to love the book of Genesis so much. It is the book of beginnings because much of what is even stated and come to the surface even more uh, prominently throughout the word of the Lord, its seed is found in the book of Genesis. Uh, the incarnation, God manifested in the flesh, the uh, baptism, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, all these things we find uh, their seed in the book of Genesis. And it wasn't till uh, I think it was a couple years ago, I was reading through the Message Bible for that particular year, and I started out in Genesis, as I oftentimes do, and uh, Bishop, as I read it, it used a little different word than what the King James Bible used, and so it drew my attention to it. Whenever I read through the King James in Genesis chapter number one, and it's talking about the various creative days, and it's talking about there being created light, and then uh, darkness, and, and how the waters are gathered together in one place. As I go through there, I read how that the light was that the light was uh, uh, divided from the darkness, or that uh, the, the the waters uh, above were divided from the waters below, and uh, we have this word divided that's coming. But whenever I read the message, it just kind of really drew in my attention because it says separated. That the light was separated from the darkness and there was water separated from this. And separation or being separated is just a key definition of holiness. Separation. And so in the beginning that the world was out form and void and all these things and he brings uh, harmony and, and order uh, to all these things. He does so by means of separation. He does so by means, if you will, of separation of, of waters from above, from waters below, and so on and so forth. So it drew my attention to that. Not only that, you can read in the book of Ephesians in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter number 1 and verse number 3, the Bible reads like this, if I can get there, uh, chapter number 1 and verse number 3, the scripture says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him. Now, this is the Apostle Paul talking to the church of Ephesus. He says he has chosen us in him. Uh, we've done study on Ephesians. The us in him is the church. He's chosen the church. The us in him, we are the church. According as he hath chosen the us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And so the Apostle Paul even tells the church at Ephesus, he says, church, he said, before the very foundation of the world, Christ has even chose the church that what? She should be holy. So holiness is not a newfangled idea. Holiness is not something that's been manufactured by an organization or by a particular denomination. Holiness is God's idea. Holiness is God. Holiness is God's idea. Something that he even ordained for the church before the foundation of the world. So it has roots that go way back. Amen. Way, way back. And so when we talk about holiness, I believe it's important to define holiness. We find it again both in the Old and in the New Testament Scripture. And in essence, holiness is the character and the behavior of the people of God. Amen. And it's described with this extraordinary word, holiness. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter number 7, and verse number six for an Old Testament, just one scripture, there's several. But it says this, for thou art unholy people, the scripture says, unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people, literally separated people, unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. In other words, God's saying, my people are not like any other people. Amen. Uh, they, they are above all people. That's not in the sense of uh, looking down and condescendingly at other people. But he said there is a separatedness. There is a specialness, a uniqueness about my people. The New Testament, 1 Peter chapter number 2 and verse number 9, uh, a verse that some may know even by heart, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, right? A peculiar people, amen, peculiar people, a unique treasure, in other words, that ye should shew forth 
the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so uh, these are just a couple, but both Old and New Testament speaks to uh, the fact of this concept of holiness. Amen. And uh, the Webster Dictionary defines holiness like this. Holiness is defined as the state or quality of being holy, being set apart to the service of God, characterized by perfection. Now, we are far from perfect, right? But we have a perfect spirit that dwells inside of us. And that perfect spirit is trying to lead us and guide us. Let me say it like this. The days that we're led by that perfect spirit, the more perfect we are. Uh-huh. And the ultimate thing is this. Through our lives of being born again till the rapture comes, we are in a process of perfection. Amen. We're in a process of perfection. We will never ultimately be perfect upon this earth. But we're in the process of perfection that when he comes, that we've been living in a way that's acceptable unto God, holy unto God, our change will come and we shall be like him. Perfection. Amen. Perfection. And so it is that the quality of holy is being set apart to the service of God, characterized by perfection. The Zondervan pictorial Bible dictionary rather indicates that the word holiness is translated from the root uh, Kodesh, which means separatedness. It comes from the Greek word as well, which means pure or means withdrawn. As a matter of fact, the word holiness, it, you, you come to the Hebrew, but it goes back to languages that are known as the Akkadian languages, which were some of Earth's earliest cultures. So holiness goes all the way back. The concept or idea of holiness goes all the way back to some of the earliest of civilization known unto man. And so then there are uh, primarily uh, three major elements of holiness. And that is, number one, separation. Number two is perfection. And perfection in Bible predominantly is a completeness or a maturity. All right? And then number three is a purity. And so God, even in the Old Testament of Israel and New Testament of the church, has called a people to do what pleases him. All right. Rather than what pleases the world, because prior to coming to God, we do what pleases ourselves and what pleases the world. Predominantly. All right. Amen. And so he's called us then to a, a different level of pleasing, so to speak. Now we do that which is pleasing unto him. And so we're going to look at over the next several weeks, not just this idea or definition of holiness, but how does that relate to our everyday? Everybody say everyday. How does that relate to our everyday lives? Right. How does this relate to our everyday lives? And so when we talk about holiness again, holiness is the character of God. We read in Scripture uh, that one of the primary uh, natures of God or perhaps dominant natures of God is that God is love. We read that in First John. God is love. And so uh, people are all the time talking about the love of God and how that is an essential nature of God. And that is who God is. However, also throughout the Scripture, more than 50 times we find in Scripture, we are told quite frankly and plainly, just as much as God is love, that God is holy. And there's no one here that would even dare to try or want to divorce the love from God. Because everybody, regardless of who you are across America, loves to talk about the love of God. But just as plainly stated as he is love, is plainly stated he is holy. So I think it's proper to give just as much as attention. If we're going to talk about how he is love, we need to talk about how he is holy. More than 50 times through Scripture, let me just hit on a few, and they, they don't have these because I've just kind of hitting them here. Psalms 99 and 9, I think, well, they might have these. The Lord our God, the Bible says, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy. Exodus 15 and 11, the Bible says, Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises? Amen. Ezekiel 39 and verse number 7, and doing wonders. Thank you for the rest of that. Amen. Ezekiel 39 and verse number 7. So will I make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel. Amen. And I will not let them pollute my holy name anymore. And the heathen shall know that I am the 
Lord. Leviticus chapter 11 and verse 45. For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. This is a powerful scripture. Ye shall therefore, everybody say therefore. You know what the Lord's saying? I brought you out of bondage. I got you out of flesh pots of Egypt. I got the labor of making brick without straw away from your hands. Huh? I got the hard taskmasters off your shoulders. He says, therefore, as a result of all that, he says, be holy. For I am holy, Revelation 4 and 8. And the four beasts, Revelations 4 and 8, and the four beasts had each one of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within. The Bible says, and they rest not day and night, saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Amen. He's holy. He was holy. He is holy. He is to come holy. And this is speaking of something in the future in the heavenly realm. Amen. He's not separated, divorced, or loss of his holiness. He's still the holy God that he was found to be in the Old Testament scripture. So God's character is holy. Not only is God holy by himself, but he and the wrong word is taints, but he impacts in everything that flows from him. Right? Because, uh, you know, a pure, a pure body of water is going to send forth tributaries of purity. Or, or, or if you will, not tributaries, but, but offshoots from it of purity. And so God is holy, and so those things that come from him is holy, meaning his commands then are holy. His, his, his uh, attributes, his, everything that he ordains, everything that he decrees by his will, all of these things are holy. You can read of it in Romans 7 that the laws and the commands of God then are holy. In Psalms 105, it speaks about then how the promises of God are holy. Both in Romans and Timothy, the Bible says that all of Scripture is holy. What do you call it? It's written on the front. You call it the Holy Bible. If you've been born again of the water spirit, you have received the holiness emanates from him. It impacts everything that that comes from him. The scripture states in multitude of scriptures that his name is holy. Amen. His name is holy. I got his holy name in baptism. Even so that I abide then by Old Testament Amen. Scripture of the commandments that whenever I receive his name in baptism, then I'm not to take his name in vain. And that's more than me saying GD. That's about me living my life the way that I live my life. If it's contrary to the nature of the name that I've taken, then that's not holy. Amen. So I'm taking his name in vain. If I live in such a way, that's contrary to the name that I've taken upon me in order to remit my sin. Amen. And so all of these things are holy. Not only God is holy and the things that emit from him holy, but there is a holiness of God's people. Amen. The people upon whom his name is called. His saints are holy. If he calls them his children, whatever, believers, followers, disciples, they are all underneath the umbrella or at least should be of holiness. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 28 and verse number 9, the Lord shall establish thee. Again, look at it, unholy people. He said, I'm going to establish you a holy people unto himself as he had sworn unto thee. If thou shalt keep. That's important. So I'm going to establish you as a holy people unto myself if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. Why? Because the commandments are holy. His ways are holy. If you keep his holy commandments and his holy ways, then you will be a holy people. Amen. Well, glory. Baptismal water back here is about ready to make me sweat. That heat in there is humid. Amen. And so we have all these things concerning holiness. Exodus chapter 19 and verse number 6. That's not up there, don't think. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Hebrews 3 and 1. Holy brethren. Here we are. We're talking about the people. Holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. And so God is holy. His commands are holy. His people that he calls to himself and saves, amen, are holy. And so here's another aspect then that we need to take in consideration. And please just walk with me because we'll, we'll bring things together. You might start getting preconceived notions and ideas and all this stuff. But holiness in many ways in Scripture is not a suggestion. It's not an option. It is an imperative New Testament command of the Lord. Anybody got room for a few more Scriptures? Yeah? Okay. Romans 6 and 19, and we'll look at some of these more than once. 
Romans 6 and 19, I'm just going to, Brother Zach, I'm just going to read little smidgets out of here, okay? Uh, okay. The Bible says, as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity and unto iniquity, that was us B.C., before Christ, right? We yielded our members to be servants of uncleanness. Whatever we desired to do, whatever the world said you could do, count me in, sign me up. I want to be a part of it, right? But he says, even so now yield. It's important that we look at that word yield because that is calculating in your will, your choice. So he gives us an imperative, this is what should be done, but he doesn't betray our will. Never has he. He has his desire, what he desires for mankind to be a, a, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, but he always gives that to human will because God doesn't want you to be a puppet on the string. He doesn't want to force people to love him because forced love is not love. Forced obedience is not real obedience. It's kind of like the compliance we talked about on Wednesdays. All right? Amen. So he says, if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord, or rather, even so now yield your members, servants to righteousness, unto holiness. Romans 6, 22, being made free from sin. I'm jumping in the middle of the verse. Being made free from sin, become servants to God. Ye have your fruit unto holiness. He says, when you've been made free from sin and you become a servant of God, and he's your master, and you're following his direction and his order, then the fruit of your life yields or gives itself unto holiness. And Scripture tells us, right, in the Gospels, by their fruit ye shall know them. You can know a holy people by whether or not they have holy fruit. Know the apple tree by the apple, know the orange by the orange. It each bears of its kind. Right? It might be hard when the leaves are up there unless you're just some real geek, you know, that knows the leaves, the trees, and things like that, and the bark and the direction it goes. But when the fruit comes on, it's undeniable. And that undeniability goes all the way to the root of the tree. That is so on and so forth. Amen. Romans 12 and verse number 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. We love this verse. We quote this. That ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Everybody say acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, we oftentimes say, well, see, presenting your body as a living sacrifice to God. See, that's a reasonable service. But let's take the whole corpus of this verse together. Not only is that a reasonable service, meaning it's not unreasonable to present your body, but it's also not unreason unreasonable to be holy. Amen. Amen. 2 Corinthians 7 and 1, having therefore these promises, you can look at the verses prior, uh, the, the other chapter, chapter number 6, to see what those are. Dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Ephesians 1 and 4, again, diving into the verse here, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Ephesians 4, 24. We're going to hit on some of these again. Put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Ephesians 5, 27. That he, speaking of Christ, might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. His church. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. But as he which hath called you is holy. This is, again, pulling from Old Testament Scripture. Be, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. The word conversation there in the New Testament is conduct, behavior. That you would be in, in all manner of, of behavior and conduct because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. One more for now. Hebrews 12 and verse number 14. Again, what we started with, follow all men with peace and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Brother Zach, can we go to Ephesians chapter number 4 here real quick today? Everybody doing all right? So what we've done here thus far is tried to put some definitions, both secular and uh, uh, Hebrew and Greek type definitions upon holiness. But we've also attempted to uh, show through various scriptures that not only is God holy, but his commands, the attributes, those things that emanate from him are holy and that he has called to himself a holy people. All right. And so that's the basis that we are going for from here today. But when you look at Ephesians four, let's look at it a little more particularly in verse twenty two. 
He's talking to the church at Ephesian, uh, Ephesus, these new believers, the process that they have went through of being born again of the water and the spirit. They have been saved. And he tells them in verse 22 that ye put off. Everybody say put off. off. This aspect of change in our life requires putting off and putting on. He says that ye put off concerning the former conversation. Again, conversation, behavior, conduct. All right. Put off the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Look, verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And verse 24, that you put on. So you put off for the purpose of putting on. Amen. If you put off and you never put on what God has put on, you'll put on again what you put off. I hope you're a lot of Almost started rapping there, you know. <laughs> Hallelujah. He says now, and that ye put on the new man. Look at the description of the new man here. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Amen. He says, so we put off some things, and so now we're we're going to put on uh, which is created in righteousness and true holiness. Look, holiness, look at it there in verse 24. Holiness is a part of the new man. Holiness is a part of the new man. And so there are several scriptures, amen, that, that elevate the principle of personal holiness, Great, great uh, essentiality is holiness in our lives. It is a necessary element of our Christian lives. All right, and not not only this, not holiness is the only the only lifestyle. Everybody say only, only lifestyle of the true scripturally obedient Christian according to the Word of God. It becomes that distinguishing characteristic. All right. That divine call upon a believer's life. If you will look at First Thessalonians 4 and verse number 7. Amen. Look, for God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Look at verse number 8. I hope I included that for you all because I think it's important to look, go on to the verse number 8. He, therefore, that despiseth despiseth not man. What is he talking about despiseth? He that despiseth what you've been called to. Holiness. He that despiseth, despiseth not man. This is not a pastor up here pushing an agenda. Or an organization pushing an agenda. You don't despise man, but God who also given us his, by the way, he just says, don't you know you got a Holy Spirit? He says, if, 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 you, if you despise holiness, you because that Holy Spirit is all a part of that segment and category of holiness. If you despise holiness, you don't just despise holiness. You even in certain ways are despising the very spirit you have received. Because its character huh, is holiness. Amen. And so we think about this, and that's great, Brother McGee, but what about the attainment of this, you know? How can we get in that groove and it not be a rut for us? All right, how, how can we do this? Because when we look at Scripture, there are a couple words that kind of go hand in hand. Uh, holiness goes very much so. You see holiness and righteousness uh, very, very closely uh, linked together throughout the Scripture. They're close concepts in the Word of the Lord, and some of the principles of these kind of overlap with each other. When we talk about righteousness in the Word of God, uh, righteousness many times in God's Word, particularly in the New Testament Scripture, is used to indicate justification. In other words, it means being made right. Huh? When you receive the righteousness of God, he made you right. You were wrong, but he made you right. And, and it has the idea of being blameless, the idea of innocence, being just before the Lord. And so then when we talk about holiness, we're talking then about proper behavior, a, a, a virtuous, if you will, uh, action, godly lifestyle of our life. So there's a little bit of a principle uh, overlapping, if you will, between the two. And so as Christians, we attain and maintain. That's important. Attain and maintain holiness and righteousness 
in a couple of ways. Here's what we must understand this morning. That whenever we are obedient and we have applied and been obedient to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and then filling of the Holy Ghost, we know in Scripture that we're not saved by works lest any man should boast. We have been saved by grace through faith, and that is the gift of God. And so when we come to the Lord and we have been obedient to the salvation plan, Christ imputes, it's a fancy word, but that means he grants or bestows. He imputes his righteousness upon our lives. All right? Because my righteousness is filthy rags to begin with. Nothing I can do, work for, or grant righteousness on my own life. But that initial righteousness that I receive when I'm born again of water and spirit, Christ has granted his righteousness unto me. And he, this is what he does. He accounts that as his holiness. Someone say amen. Just walk with me here today, please. Amen. So that's imputed to us. That's given to us by Christ Jesus. All right? And so here this, this holiness or this righteousness is given to us. It's been conferred upon us, so to speak, because of Christ's sacrifice upon Calvary, because of what was done there and my participation in that through my baptism and my repentance and my infilling of the Holy Ghost. His death purchased that initial attainment of righteousness. And so that righteousness has been transferred to me. That righteousness, that holiness has been accredited to me. It's been given to me originally, all right, and firstly, as a free gift of grace. Look, if you will, at Romans chapter number 5, verses 17 through 19. The Bible says, if by one man's offense, which is speaking of Adam in the beginning, death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. So in other words, if death came because of Adam, then righteousness, the gift of righteousness, will come by Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, and it did because of Adam. We're all born into sin as a result of that. Amen. Condemnation is lingering over our head the moment of our birth. We are sinners. It says if that happens because of the offense, even so, by the righteousness of, the, of, of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. And then surely, because of the deed of the Lord Jesus Christ and our obedience to that death, burial, and resurrection, now we have this free gift of righteousness that has justified us, made us right in the sight of God. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. And so that initial righteousness and holiness that is dispatched into our lives from obedience to the plan of salvation, it comes from God. It's as a result of God. He paid the price of it because we participated in his death, burial, and resurrection through our plan of salvation. We're washed by his blood. We're cleansed from our sins. We could have never paid that on our own. And through his grace, we are made righteous and holy. Someone say amen. However, that gift, that righteousness, that holiness should awaken, someone say awaken, a new way of life and behavior and lifestyle for our journey ahead of us. Scripturally, 1 Corinthians 15, 34, it says, awake, which means arouse yourself, to righteousness and sin not. Some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. In other words, Scripture commands that the Christian, this is in the book of Corinth, the, the church at Corinth, they needed to rise, arouse themselves to godliness. Awaken yourself, amen, to that righteousness, that right living, amen. In other words, in doing so, it says sin not. Awaken yourself to this and sin not. Don't bring shame upon you. Don't bring shame upon God. Amen. To involve your, yourself in things that are contrary to the word of God and the nature of God. Amen. Uh, in Ephesians 4, whenever Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus, he even told them they, they were Gentiles that were born again of the water and the spirit. They became Christians, new believers in Christ Jesus. But you know what he told them and cautioned them? He said, listen, guys. He said, you should no longer walk as other Gentiles walk. What's he saying? 
You've been, bought, you've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. You've been born again of the water and the spirit. God has imputed and granted holiness and righteousness in your life. You should not walk as other Gentiles walk, namely as you used to walk. Amen. The Bible says in Romans 1 and verse number 17 and 18, we, I just talked about this, preaching on it for two Sundays in a row. Look at this. For therein, it's speaking of the gospel, and I'm jumping around, Brother Zach. I know you follow me good. For therein the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. I'm skipping now. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who what? We, we, I preached all this for two, two weeks. Who hold the truth in unrighteousness, which we know hold the truth is what? They suppress the truth. Here's an amazing fact. There can be Christians that have the truth, have known the truth, been exposed to truth, and yet be unrighteous at the same time. How? They've suppressed. They've suppressed truth. Amen. And God's not well pleased with that. Romans chapter number 6, verse number 12, starting. Skipping around too, Brother Zach. He's tracking with me. He's great. Let not sin, therefore... Reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield. That's up to us. He has a desire, but here's the will, the choice. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield. This is my preference. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey. In other words, if you yield to sin, you're a servant of sin. If you yield to God, you're a servant of God. Who you yield yourself to, that's who you're declaring is your master. All right? Whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. I'm skipping. Being then made free from sin, ye become the servants of righteousness. Look now, I'm skipping. As ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity and iniquity, we looked at this. He says, even so now, yield your members' servants to righteousness and to holiness. Amen. Here it comes down to, it all comes down to the yield. He says, even so now, yield. He doesn't start going through a list of how to keep holiness or righteousness? No. He says the power of your success, whether it's unto the world or unto the church, unto me, is all in your yield. Sometimes we keep list. There's only one list. My yield. <laughs> my yield. All right? The, scripture, the scriptures make it undeniably clear that after the gift of righteousness... This gift of righteousness is, is placed upon us by the gift of God. And so then, therefore, we should follow a lifestyle of righteousness and holy behavior. It's spoken, again, it's spoke throughout Scripture as imperative, but he still calculates in the human will, all right? Um, that righteousness and holiness that we would live unto the Lord, it's accounted to us through many times our obedience to God and our obedience to God's word. The Bible says in Romans 6, 16, know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Amen. And so it's accounted to us many times through our obedience unto the Lord. All right. Now let's look at, at some scripture terminology here. Okay. We got several scriptures. Everybody doing okay? If you didn't read your Bible this week, you're getting it now. <laughs> Amen. Look at the terminology. Because, listen, listen, this is very important. What these next scriptures are going to convey to us is our responsibility concerning personal righteousness and holiness. Everybody say my responsibility. My responsibility. He gave it to you through your new birth. But now we have a responsibility with what we have been given. Hmm. Amen. Oh, God. Romans 6, 19. This, these are just, and Brother Zach, I don't believe I gave these. If I did, I, you know, I'm getting seen out too, I guess, but nonetheless. Romans 6, 19. 
notice the verbs. Notice the action. Yield, and I'm jumping in the verse. Yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. Romans 12, 1. Present your bodies along the way holy. 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness. Ephesians 4, 24. Put on the new man. A little further down, in righteousness and true holiness. 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16. Be ye holy in all manner of conversation, which is behavior. Hebrews 12, 14. Follow our key verse this morning. What? Everything else and also holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. 2 Timothy 2, 2. Flee lust and follow righteousness. Titus 2, 12. Deny ungodliness and worldly lust. Live Yes, I'm emphasizing soberly, righteously, and godly. 1 John 2, 29. He that doeth righteousness is born of him, speaking of God. 1 John 3, 7. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. 1 John 3, 10. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. 2 Peter 3 and verse 11. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation? Again, that's behavior and godliness. When we look at many of these verses, a lot of the verb is placing responsibility in our court to do something. Amen? To do something. It's denoting an action. An action, this is it, folks. Please listen very carefully right here. An action that must take place in order to continue the holiness and the righteousness that God first imputed to us. I want everybody to take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Okay, let that out. This gift of the Holy Ghost has been imparted, given to us by grace, right? Grace through faith, the scripture says. Grace through faith. We're so thankful for that. But grace doesn't just, isn't just a vehicle to bring salvation unto us. The Bible says in Titus 2, verses 11 and 12, for the grace... Of God that bringeth salvation. Thank God it did. Couldn't do it alone. Hath appeared to all men. Teaching us. Who or what's doing the teaching? Grace is. Grace is teaching us. To that benign ungodliness. Grace is teaching us. Worldly lust. We should live. sober. Grace is teaching us this. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Grace, that one that we're so grateful for that it was a vehicle of salvation to our souls. But it's teaching us that we got to participate now in the maintenance program. Here's what I think is important to convey today. None of us, listen to me. This is vitally important to this whole series in my estimation. None of us can make ourselves holy. But grace through faith Obedience to the plan of salvation, mirroring that death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he has given, as a result of that, imputed righteousness and holiness upon us. Thank God, because I couldn't make myself holy. Everybody listening to me? Please listen. So I cannot make myself holy. But I can make myself dirty. with my salvation called holiness. I could never do that on my own. But I can make myself dirty. I can go after that moment in time and live ungodly. I can go from that moment of time and do unrighteous things. Mm -hmm. I can't make myself holy. I can't make myself righteous. I can't make myself clean. But... Once I've been made clean by him, I have then, therefore, Sister Malin, a responsibility to keep clean. He's not asked you to do something that's a shelf that you can't reach. He's not asking to make yourself holy. He's asking you to keep yourself holy. It was imputed first by his spirit. He said, Here's righteousness. Keep it. Here's holiness. Keep it. I know you couldn't have got righteousness by yourself. And you couldn't get holiness by yourself. But can you keep what I've given you? Because I can get dirty. Huh? 
I can do that all by myself. Don't need God's help or even the devil's help. I can get dirty. But he's saying, can you keep what I've initially given unto you? And so the mindset sometimes of holiness is this. I'm trying to get something that there's no way I'll ever get. You got it when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He just wants to know, can you maintain it? Can you keep it? Amen. Amen. The Bible says, everybody doing right? Folks, this is very, that, that statement alone, that concept and idea alone is very vital. To our journey here for the next several weeks. First John chapter number two. And I hope I gave you that one brother. It's kind of one of my additions. <laughs> along the way. I'm not adding to scripture. I'm just using scripture. The Bible says. First John two and verse one. My little children. These things write I unto you. That ye sin not. And if any man sin. And please note. When we're talking about if any man sin, we know all of sin comes short of the glory of God. Thank the Lord. That's the reason why there was the cross and all that. And we've been given righteousness and holiness from that first. If any man sin, to tell you that you're never going to make a mistake is one thing. To tell you that living a life of mistake is another. I think that is so vitally important. Because sometimes people blur the line so much. Well, it says uh, if any man sin, then yeah, but there is a vast difference in sinning with your eyes open and stumbling or haphazardly, you know, not strong one day and just missing it. There is a difference. There's a difference getting up one morning and saying, you know what, I'm just going to talk bad to people or bad about them. You understand what I'm saying? So he says, if any man sin, we have an advocate. Watch the scriptures here. We have an advocate with the Father. Thank the Lord. Jesus Christ, the righteous. There we go. And he is the propitiation. He is the sacrifice. He is the thing that appeases for our sins. And not only for ours, thank God, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby, this gets even better. And hereby, we do know that we know him. If we keep his commandments, which we know is holy because he's holy. He that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him, verse 5, but whoso keepeth, again, he gave them, we're just keeping them. <laughs> but whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. It's come to completion, to maturity. Hereby, this is important, know we that we are in him. Let's see, I'm at 47 here. Give me just a little, about five more minutes to finish up a section, okay? All right. In talking about this concept of God, amen, the attainment of holiness. Let me read a few more scriptures and I'll, I'll take us home, okay? First John 5 and 8. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth, everybody say keepeth himself. James 1 and verse 27, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. Going down just a little further, a part of the this. To keep himself unspotted from the world. All right? There's the responsibility, the keeping, the maintaining on our side. First Timothy 5 and 22, not asking you to attain holiness. You couldn't do that, but you attained it through your salvation. But now you keep it. Is everybody following today? Amen. First Timothy 5, 22. Neither, and I'm jumping in the middle there, Brother Zach. Neither be partaker of other men's sins. But keep thyself pure. Keep thyself pure. Second Peter 2 and 20. For if after they believe have escaped the pollutions. I read this not long ago in a service. Escape the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They are again entangled therein and overcome the latter end is worse with them than the beginning for it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from it because it's a big thing now you're turning from something you know better than to turn from before you was turning away from something that you may have been oblivious about he said now you have turned from what the holy commandment and delivered 
unto them, delivered unto them. But it has happened to him, them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit and the sow that was washed to, wa- to her wallowing in the mire. We have been washed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has imputed, given us righteousness. We are to keep that righteousness from the mire of the world. And so our holiness, yes, it begins with God. It always has, always will. It begins with God. But it is perfected and further fulfilled in living our lifestyle all right, cling them to the Lord. It's perfected by trying and attempting to not get dirty. Hmm? Amen. The old song we used to sing is to live the way that he wants me to live. If you'll stand with me this morning, Paul said to the Corinthians that we cleanse ourselves and we're, we're perfecting holiness. We're maturing it. We're, we're furthering it. We're completing it. We're maintaining it. Now, see, everybody should be really good today. We've not even delved into some of the things that your minds went to when I mentioned the word holiness. I've not stated one thing about any of these. I've just, a lot of scripture. But it's important today. Next week, we'll begin to talk a little bit more about two aspects of holiness, primarily being the internal and the external. And we're just going to talk about those aspects, not, not any subcategories necessarily under them, all right? Just going to talk about those categories. And then after that, we'll start treading into the water. You know, you ankle deep, and then your knee deep, and your waist deep. Maybe before it's done, we'll have waters to swim in. <sighs> amen. Hallelujah. Someone say amen. amen. And so thank the Lord. So this is not something that I am trying to achieve on my own. This is something I'm trying to keep that's been given to me. Amen. And whenever I do, it's just a testament to everything that he is. Holy, his commands, his works, his people. Amen. We're we're the shoot, we're the offspring of of the, the main branch of the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's pray into the Lord this morning. Father, I come to you today. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.